Hello, I'm Rashmi Becker and this is Conversations with Carers, a series where we look at the stories of those that dedicate their lives to caring for others. There are almost 7 million carers in the UK. Some work on the front line of social care, others are unpaid carers for family members that need support because of health conditions, age or disability. Each day in the UK, 6,000 people take on a caring responsibility. I'll be talking to just some of them about what it really means to care. Today's guest is Freya Spencer. Freya began working in care homes for disabled adults during the pandemic, when her work as a professional dancer came to a stop. So I started off in uh, supported living for adults with profound multiple learning disabilities. Um, And I went into a few different homes, very, very different. So the first one, I think there was about 13 residents, one-to-one support. Um, The next one, there was four residents, so really different. Um, And then I spent one day in a home for older people, which I really didn't like. Um, The support was just quite different that was being provided there. Um, And then finally, I found myself at this one home and I've been there full time and we have 11 residents and I just it just was the right fit. And when you say you didn't like older care or that experience, what was it that you didn't like? Um, I found the day that I did at the older people's home to be very, um, very rushed. So we didn't have time to spend actual quality time with with the individuals. It was very much, you know, you have to get 12 people up in the space of an hour. So you're giving them breakfast in bed, then you have to get them up and you have to, you don't have time to even turn on the TV for somebody. And I found that really upsetting. Whereas where I work now, it's really about connecting with the individuals and so we will because we have less residents we will get up two or three people maximum in the morning and then you have time to sit with them and have breakfast and we eat together and it's it's really different relationships that we we develop there rather than this sense of having to get through everybody and rushing 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 to do sort of like the the essential tasks rather than the actual meaningful time and why do you think that was what do you think was different about the older people's care home that you're in? I think it's just the way that they're run. So for us, you know, at the home I work at now, it's one-to-one support for some people or, you know, we have people on the floor which um, will be working with three to four people at the same time during the daytime. And that's just really different to to the way that that my experience was in the other home. It, It just felt a bit of a machine like you have to get all these people up in one go and it just didn't it wasn't really about the personal experience of the residents um or the service users it was about getting a job done and that's you know through no fault of the other staff that's just the way that the system is that there's not enough staff for you know the masses of residents if you've got 40 residents and 10 staff you're there's no way you can provide what you want to to people I didn't have any other reference point because my experience in care and support work before that had been privately with, you know, a couple of individuals, really, really different. Um, So I didn't really have anything to compare it to, but it was hard. It was scary, like, because my family are vulnerable, you know, and every day coming home and just feeling a little bit anxious about what, you know, if I had caught something, if what that would mean for people. It, It was really just you know an extra bit of stress in many ways it was really good but there was that continual worry that you know also if I get COVID somewhere else and I bring it into the home these guys have already had COVID once and we lost one of our residents so 
you know, the fear was really strong in the people there. And how do you cope emotionally and sort of mentally when you're in that sort of situation where you've lost a resident, you know, people are, are nervous, you're not quite sure what's happening? I think, you know, the same as, as we we always have to in any situation. you just got to keep going, haven't you? And there comes a point when you just, you know, I remember the first day I went into a home. It was the first time I'd ever been in that scenario. And I came home and I cried and I just thought, I'm not trained in this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I can keep people safe. I don't know if I can keep my family safe. But how else can we survive? You know, it's it, it's such a it was such a big leap into doing it. But then, you know, you it becomes normal, doesn't it? It becomes normal to live with that sense of responsibility for lots of other people. Can you say a little bit about the sort of physical and emotional demands of, of the day to day and how that impacts you? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> yes. Um Physically, very challenging. When I do a lot of shifts in a row, my back starts to ache. We have very limited equipment so um the bath doesn't rise up all those things that I hear about in this mystical land of other care homes <laughs> but we don't have any of those things so we're bending over all the time you know the strain actually physically is is hard much harder than I ever thought or expected and when you're tired and you have worked shift after shift after shift and your patience is low and you're physically tired because when we work a late shift we finish at quarter past 10 and you can be back the next day at half past seven like that's not very much time to be away from work and that has all kinds of emotional effects you know like with my home life I'd come home if I've done 15 hours without a break I am knackered I don't want to help my boyfriend to make dinner I don't want to wash up I don't want to you know I don't want to hoover because I've done that all day and that you know that did take a a strain it's really hard to go to work and give everything give yourself and build those connections and work so hard and then come home and then have nothing left and that I found really hard that definitely took a toll on my relationships at home wanting to do anything I just wanted to sleep (laughs) there's always something to be done in the home and as with any industry you know that some staff will bear more of that weight than others and that's really hard and I am learning to sometimes say no and it's really hard and I hate doing that because I know that if I don't do that then somebody a resident has to wait for something or but sometimes I have to eat my breakfast sometimes I have to have two minutes to go and sit outside and get some air when you're wearing a mask for 15 hours you know there's elements of self-care that you have to implement that I am not very good at doing and have felt the effects of massively and in what way when you say you felt the effects massively um I think you know not being able to say no so if somebody says oh can you just go and give this person their breakfast and it's like half past 11 I haven't had my breakfast yet and I've been working since half past seven not being able to say no to that you know we should be able to have a break and we should be able to sit down so actually being able to go and just be away for 20 minutes which is what we're supposed to have is really important getting air taking the mask off oh you know those are things that you really need to do and unless you implement that yourself that doesn't happen necessarily what would you like to see change or what sort of help would you think would would help you in doing your job better I mean, it's really difficult because my experience has been 
different to others because I haven't been a permanent member of staff therefore I haven't been entitled to the training that other people have so with challenging behavior I haven't had that training that would then make me feel safer when working with certain individuals you know that those kinds of trainings are integral to how we feel safe and how we feel like we can keep others safe but I think the lack of recognition of the work is is huge within our communities there's something in that that it's not recognized you know it's an unskilled job is what they would say you know minimum wage everyone struggles for money there it's it's not recognized and it feels like you should just get on with it because they're you know it's easy and it's not easy it's the hardest job I've ever done emotionally physically financially it's the hardest job I've ever done and it's like you know you come out of that home and it's like oh she's just a carer you know that that's that's hard when you're struggling with all of the elements of your day and people then just think oh you know it's just an easy job isn't it it's what people just do actually no you know it's so hard and how does that make you feel when when you feel that people don't value it and don't understand what it involves it makes me really sad to see the work that everybody does just brushed under the carpet and it's unseen and it's you know even if we go out to a cafe one of my colleagues was told oh can you sit at the back with her because she's shouting you know just like this thing of like it's so hidden it's just such a shame that the way that we exist in this world is is to hide away difference or I don't know but yeah I think that makes a big part in the support that people have is that you have a support network in the home but you leave and you just it's like undermined in some way your experience or something about it when you're not in that community feels it just feels rubbish (laughs) and you mentioned earlier about challenging behavior and you know sometimes feeling at risk and you know that fear that you had coming in not having that experience can you say a little bit more about people that you support with challenging behavior and and what that looks like and why you why it made you nervous I think it's very easy until you see the challenging behaviour to have a full sense of security and I definitely had that and that was partly because, again, I hadn't had the training but I also hadn't had, as somebody that isn't a permanent member of staff, I hadn't had the information that I needed and I had just been thrown in the deep end and then I did encounter challenging behaviour and it was very, very scary And what they tell you to do retrospectively isn't that helpful. You know, never turn your back on that person, always have an eye on them. You can't do that when you're giving them a shower. And, you know, it's actually physically impossible to take the measures required. And that's really hard. I just... uh, Yeah, it's hard to, to juggle this thing of care and support and getting on with an individual with the knowledge that potentially they will want to hurt you at some point and that's yeah that's a challenge for me and some people are able to sort of bypass that and feel safe and secure and that their actions will will keep them safe but from my lived experiences I don't have that so 
I've struggled with the the challenging behaviour stuff and I think having had training and extra support and actually knowing that there's enough staff if you press an emergency alarm somebody will be able to come (laughs) because sometimes that isn't the case that's something you have to rely on and I don't necessarily always feel that. And for people that might not know what the phrase challenging behaviour means can you give examples of what you've experienced you know what that looks like? Within our setting we have um, a couple of residents that will kind of (laughs) go for each other so one time I got caught in the middle of that and ended up with you know a big scratch all down my the side of my eye um not realizing how bad it was went home and surprised my partner with like blood all down my face (laughs) um other times you know getting uh I got kind of trapped in a room with somebody trying to kind of attack me I guess um so yeah those those kind of challenging behaviours are really difficult because you also have um, you have to have an understanding that it's not always sometimes it is intentional but sometimes it's also not intentional and it's not a personal thing but it's hard to to let that go sometimes you know when when I've been in those experiences and then the next day it's like oh can you go and do that with this person you think oh, I don't want to do that with this person I actually want to just stay a rib away for the moment um and I've been quite lucky to have those conversations with my managers and that has been possible but in many situations that's not and it's not encouraged actually you should be uh I guess continuing your relationships as normal but you know that's easier said than done we're all human and if somebody has has kind of had challenging behavior and has put you physically at risk that's a human reaction is I don't want to put myself in that situation again so that's a battle that I kind of have with myself is how much of that can I relinquish and remember, you know, I I can provide that care and support. And at the same time, I have this thing of, I don't really want to do that anymore. Because fear is a strong emotion. And if you're being physically threatened and you feel afraid to support someone, how do you cope with that? And how do you carry on supporting that person? I guess when it got to a point when it was too serious, I stopped supporting that person. And that's, you know, not an ideal scenario to be in, but I didn't want to do it anymore. It wasn't good for me. And so, you know, there's also patterns of experience that have happened with other staff members when you can start to see, okay, this might become a problem where I am going to be a target and actually it's better for the other person as well, for the resident to have somebody else that supports them that doesn't then trigger that pattern so it's a challenge it is a challenge of finding a balance that feels comfortable for everybody but at the end of the day you know you need the staff members to feel safe and that that's really important do you think all those sorts of challenges have become normalized in that sense or do carers realize the demands and what's expected of them in any role that you do in any industry everything just becomes normal doesn't it and especially when you work with the intensity that we do where literally being there when somebody wakes up and then being there when they go to sleep and then going home and sleeping a bit and then coming back it's it it is normal isn't it it's like it's a very intense process it's like being inside a I don't know like a very tight bottle where you just you see everybody's ups and downs and, you know, of the staff, of the residents, of the managers, you, you feel that. It's like a pressure cooker. There's, a, I think, 120,000 vacancies in care. What do you think 
needs to be done to attract more people into care or what do you think turns people off? I mean, it's unbelievably hard work. <laughs> it's unbelievably hard work. I had no idea before I went into it. It's terrible pay for long hours that physically ruin you, emotionally drain you. And if you're not lucky with where you're working, you won't have a good time either. But when you get lucky and you work, you know, the home that I work in, the connections that I've built with people, the relationships I have with the residents and the staff, you know, every day there's something to smile about. But long term, you know, it's such a strain. So could you see yourself doing this for five years, ten years? No. No. (laughs) It's consuming and maybe that's just the way that I work because I I like to invest my whole self into it and I don't hold anything back but I just I find that after a full-time week there isn't very much of anything left and they say there's data that shows that the mental health of people working in care is worse um, and they struggle more with their mental health compared to a lot of other jobs why do you think that is and how's that impacted you? I think a lot of it will be tiredness, uh, not having any time to switch off. I really miss like being able to have a break and just going out for a walk outside. Like We can't do that because if you have a break, that means there's one less person around, which means if something goes wrong, you know, things can really go wrong if you're not there. So having a break is, is still not really, you can't switch off, you're still there, you know physically it's hard you know some people are heavy when you have to deal with a personal care and you you have to roll them and hold them on your own with one hand whilst you're washing them that's physically really hard we have other challenges that are scary when we've had somebody choke or um things like Uh, seizures and those kind of things they're really scary to encounter and I've had that there was one week it was just an awful week and all those kind of things happened in the space of a few days we had the first day we had to call an ambulance because somebody stopped breathing the next day one of the girls uh we were in the shower I was giving her a shower and she had a massive seizure and it was terrifying and I didn't know what to do. And I pressed the emergency alarm, somebody came. And then you kind of have to, there's nothing you can do. You just have to be there while it happens. And then clean up the mess afterwards and, and try and get her as comfortable as possible. But it's really scary. And then the next day we had to call an ambulance for somebody else. And, you know, it's those kind of emergencies. If they're happening really regularly, you feel your adrenaline rush. And then it comes down and it rushes and it comes down. It rushes and it comes down. And it's just such a responsibility to to have I'm when one of our girls was on end of life care and um she was really unwell and I I had to think to myself okay how's the best way that I don't let her choke on her own vomit I don't know that you know that's common sense hopefully wins but that's huge to have to that shouldn't be happening but Unfortunately, it's a necessity. What would you like people to know about care and care work? Providing that vital human relationship that we need with each other is... It can be hard. It can be challenging. It can be exhausting when you're tired already and then you have to give 100% of yourself. 
but it's also a massive privilege and that's the thing that I have loved the most about it is that there's all of the (laughs) practical work that we do but there's this complete other side to it that is really a joy and a pleasure to sit down with somebody and one of our boys loves Agadoo. I can't tell you how many times I have danced around like an absolute woolly to Agadoo <laughs> in the last year. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's brilliant. You know, there's so much more. It's so much deeper. There's so many layers that we don't, people don't think of when they just think, oh, you know, they just work in care. This was Conversations with Carers with Rashmi Becker and guest Freya Spencer. I want to thank Freya for sharing her reflections. The physical and emotional weight of care that Freya spoke of is a common reality for many. Working round the clock, suppressing grief and guilt, and focusing on the routine and rhythms of getting through the day is relentless. The human interactions and connections with residents keep many carers going. But fitting this in around the day-to-day demands is a struggle. For many, this is simply not sustainable. In 2020, 30% of staff working in adult social care left their jobs. That's 430,000 people. We need a care system that cares about carers. Conversations with Carers is produced by Sophie King. Thank you for listening.